1874 is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store now. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. Greg Evans, fresh from his travels with me. Greg, you've been away, haven't you? Yep, um, sadly back in the rain and sleet, uh, it's pretty miserable here compared to Dubai, so um, you're going to have to lift my spirits somehow. I'll try not to be offended that I didn't get the invite, but there is plenty of other things to talk about as well. Villa have got a big game coming up on Sunday, it's Spurs at Villa Park, we'll preview that. Big, big game for Villa this one. We'll go back and do a review of the January transfer window as we ran out of time last week and didn't manage to cover it. We've got some questions from the listeners as well. And as always, the Villa Vault. So, Greg, we've spoke about it so many times, but it's about time Villa pulled out a win against one of the big six, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a topic we, we discuss every week, isn't it, Dan? Um, it's here now, Greg. It's current. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I'm starting to get excited. It's been, um, you know, the fact no game for a week it just uh, whets the appetite that little more doesn't it for the next game so uh, expect Villa Park to be rocking on Sunday when when Tottenham are in town um, going to be a really difficult game obviously you know without sounding like a manager here uh, I watched uh, I watched Tottenham against Man, Man City and although Man City lost a player when, when Zinchenko got sent off uh, I thought Tottenham were very impressive and yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough ask, but it is about time, isn't it, that, that Villa got a result, an unexpected result against one of the big boys. Let's hope it's the weekend. Yeah, I actually think this is our best chance of, of, of the season to beat to beat one of the big boys, although I'm a little bit annoyed because I felt like Tottenham was stumbling a little bit, but then they've gone and won their last two games. Obviously, big win against Man City, and, and we entered the, the little mini break on the back of a bad defeat as well. So... It felt like it might have been a good time to play Spurs, but now suddenly I, I don't feel that way. Yeah, it's 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 not going to be the best time to face them, is it? You know, they are they're full of full of life after that last win. Um, but Villa at Villa Park, you know, they're they're a different team, I think, this season. Okay, we, we spoke last week, didn't we, about the bad away form? But you know, let, let's hope that if they can get enough points at home, then that will that will get them over the line. You know that that. The, the, obviously, the last two games they've scored in the last minute. Villa Park's been rocking; it's been full, sold out every single week. A um, little bit of an onus on the fans to get behind the team again, you know, th- this weekend, and just try and be that horrible um, cliche of the twelfth man, yeah. you know, and just uh, and just just drag that ball into the net, and hopefully, hopefully that can make a difference. You know, Villa will be. They'll be fresh, they'll be fired up because they've had a little bit of a break. You know, some of the players, as, as I mentioned, went over to Dubai, some stayed in England. Um, they would all, all have been working hard uh, in the last couple of days and building up to this Tottenham game. So, uh, yeah, you know, let, let's hope they can pull something out the bag because it's, it's getting towards that time where they need a win, isn't it, again? Just pointing back to your article a little bit again, how much fitness work do the players actually do while they're over there? Because it is a holiday, obviously, Dubai is a very nice place to go, for, for example, but how much onus is on the fitness side compared to the relaxation? 
Yeah, it's, it's all varied, really. I mean, this winter break is completely new for most of the players, providing they're English and have played, or have played in England for the majority of their careers. Um, so it is just a rare break, really, a rare chance for them to go and just relax their brains, relax their bodies, um, just have a bit of game, a bit of downtime. Um, and, and just in, enjoy themselves a little bit. There's, there's totally nothing wrong with that. They work so hard um, in the periods before and after this break. But the the, the coaches at Villa and all the other teams uh, will will put the players on individual uh, training plans, and it's it's then down to them how they how they follow that. You know whether they want to do a bit of training um, in in the sports complex, which was very popular over in Dubai. It was the the, the Naz sports complex where a lot of the players uh, from various clubs go to train. It's um, a complex that's got literally everything there. You know, swimming pools, multiple different pitches, gyms. Um, you know, all sorts. So often players congregate there and do a bit of training. Others like to keep themselves to themselves. You know, if they go with their um, if they go with their girlfriends or their wives or their children, that they'll do some exercise sessions in the gym at their hotel. Um, and others like to get a bit active out and about. You know, and do some do some road runs and, and various things like that. So Liverpool, for example, are over there. There are, there are a couple of players, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and Virgil van Dijk were over there and they were both with a, a specific, you know, a physio from Liverpool who was overseeing their um, their sessions and then just sort of leaving them alone to do what they wanted on the nights. Um, so it was, it was just a, it was a rare, you know, it was a, it's like a, we're just getting used to this winter break, you know, we'll probably know more about, what the patterns emerge in the years ahead, but the Villa players are over, that were over there had different schedules. Some of them worked harder than others. Some of them know how to manage their bodies better. Obviously, some are older and younger. Um, but you know, the the, uh, the common factor is that they're all back now, all really working hard for this Tottenham game. Long term, do you think Villa will will keep that that three at the back formation? Because obviously, McGinney's he's still got a, a fair way to go. But I think Smith said he's going to be back a couple of weeks. After, after the cup final. Do you see McGinn as being capable of playing in, in a two in that formation or do you think he, he, he likes to bomb forward a little a little bit too much? Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. It's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I, I can't see it at the moment. I can't see him be, being one of the two, you know, with, with the three in defence. But then at the same time, um, I, I actually believe Villa look better with, with the three in defence. So... I, I wouldn't like to second guess Smith, to be honest, because I, I mean he'll know he'll know what he wants. Maybe that's something I should be asking him at, at the next at the next press conference. But I think it's ju- just because I mean sorry to be, give you a boring answer to the question. I think it's just because he's got got a bit of time to go. Um, you know, I don't know what Dean Smith's thinking at the moment. And to be honest, I just I don't know. I can't I, I can't see him in that too. To be honest, no. can, I mean, can you? What do you think about it? It's difficult, isn't it? Because you kind of need to have the two in front of the back three because the wing backs play such a big part when you're playing that formation because they're expected to bomb on so far, so far forward, and sometimes the centre backs have to have to push themselves out wide. Which I think, in general, most of our centre backs are comfortable in doing that. I feel like it's a formation that suits the wing backs, obviously, because I think they're more wing backs than they are full backs. It suits the defenders as well because there's an extra body. But I'm not actually sure it suits. The midfielders that much, if that makes sense. In any yeah, of them, that's it. I agree. I mean, I, can't, I just think he McGinn looks so much better in like an advanced role of the three. Yeah, I, I just think that that suits him. But 
they couldn't play that if they have three defenders. So it's something Smith will, will need to weigh up. I, I think when McGinn comes back, you know, it'll be brilliant for Villa because you know, they've, they've, it doesn't it doesn't matter what formation your team play. You, you, you need to find a way to get John McGinn in the team. So, um, you know, for me, and, and I presume for Dean Smith, it will be a, a way of tweaking his formation to get McGinn back in rather than fitting him back into the current formation. When everyone's fit, do you think there's a case for being flexible and, and, and playing different formations? Because like, like you say, you think of our best performances of the season. I actually think the Norwich one, correct, obviously, we won 5-1. But you think about when we first went to three at the back and we went to Burnley. We played some great stuff in that first half and that was obviously three at the back and Norwich was more of a 4-3-3 four, three, three, with Jack on the left. If everyone's fit, do you think he kind of flicks between the formations a little bit and plays different formations for different games? Yeah, I think that that could be that could be a possibility. I think it's I think when Villa surprise other teams, they 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 tend to play the best football. I mean, Burnley would have been wouldn't have been expecting that three at the back. No, no chance. And you know, Sean Dyche would have had his team would have had his team drilled and ready for sort of every specific movement that that Villa would were prepared to play. And it took them by surprise because um, they were just ploughing forwards and and causing all sorts of problems. Um, yeah, I, I think. Obviously, having the luxury of, of changing players and personnel allows you to change your formation. But Villa have quite, been quite hamstrung with their injuries at the moment. You know, they've had injuries to key players. Um, and obviously, a dearth of strikers for so long. It's it's difficult, isn't it, to, to, to mix things up when there are so few options. So, I suppose that's something we can only really see and answer when all those players are available. Just staying with, with team team selection a little bit. I think there's probably probably two places we're not sure of going into Sunday. So Engels obviously came on against Bournemouth, and I actually thought he was a real plus point from from that game. Do you think there's a chance he'll start? No, I think I think Conza will keep his place. I think I think it'll be Engels. I think it'll be Zidis, Conza, Mings, and and Horse. To be honest, um, I just think Dean Dean Smith likes likes those three. I might be wrong, but that's just my hunch. So I really, I really liked what I saw from Engels against Bournemouth. Albeit, yes, it was it was against ten men, but I liked the way he was he was bringing the ball out. And I think out of him, Concer and Hawes, obviously Mings is a given. Engels is the is the best on the ball on the ball for me. And I think sometimes we're so loose in, in possession and so, so sloppy in certain games. Usually in games like this against the bigger teams, I just think the stability of Engels might help us a little bit. Yeah, he's a bit more experienced than than the others. He's certainly um, you know been around the block a little bit more. Uh, also, his passing accuracy is much better than uh, Hawes and and Conza. I think other than I think he's got the best passing accuracy in the whole team actually. Uh, certainly out of the defenders. Um, so you know that that's a plus point, something that the manager might look at. I agree with you. I thought he played well against Bournemouth. Um, you know, saw a lot of the ball, drove forward, passed accurately, um, and set up quite a few chances. But I suppose, you know, towards the end of that half, they were playing against ten men. Yeah. So it was always going to be easier with that. You know, he, he was almost like an extra man, wasn't he, going forward? Because, um, you know, there was no way Burn, uh, Bournemouth were going to cause three defenders problems with ten men. Um, yeah, it's something to look at. You know, he's he's lost his place in recent weeks, but he started the season really well. So you know, we know there's a decent player in there. What's happened with him? Because it seems a little bit off to me that he was second second choice centre back. Obviously, he's played the the majority of the first half of the season next to Tyrone Mings, and then suddenly he just seemed to find him find himself as fifth choice. It it feels like something funny's gone on there. 
Yeah, it's, it's a strange one, really. Um, I, I don't think he's played too much of his career as a three. I think he's played the majority, um, you know, next to a, you know, another defender, another centre half. He, I thought he forged a really decent partnership early on with uh, with Tyrone Mings, um, but then he, he just faded out a little bit. I mean. Dean Smith would have known that long balls over the top were always going to cause it, causing problems because he's he's quite he's not he's not quick and that he's not very quick on the turn either. So, you know, Jamie Vardy punished him badly against yeah. um, against Leicester. Uh, I thought he was I thought he struggled against Fulham as well um, in the cup. James Chester was was definitely the more dominant and more composed out of the two. So maybe it was just a case of you know look the. Smith knows Smith knows the other players, and he thought give them a try, you know. And to be fair, they took the chance, and it's taken him a while to get back in. But you know, now might be his chance again. One of the one of the good things about Villa's semi final win against Leicester was that link up between Jack and, and Target down down Villa's left hand side. Spurs are a very good side, a lot of very good players, and I'm not saying Aurier is a, a bad player, but he can be quite erratic, can't he? And he'll, he'll do something silly and, and be a little bit clumsy at times. Do you think that that's a place where Villa can get joy on Sunday? Yeah, I think Jack will get right under his skin. Um, it, that 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 surely would be a you know a game plan sort of wind him up because he's very hot headed, isn't he? Um, and everybody knows how difficult it is to mark Jack Grealish. So Target might see an opportunity there to to overlap. Uh, certainly found it with Ricardo Pereira, um, who, who also himself likes to get forward. You know, he, he got run back so many times. Um, and that link-up between Grealish and Target was so impressive. I just, I, I really hoped that it would be the same against Bournemouth, and it just, just wasn't there. So, no. um, hopefully, with a bit of you know rest, a pair of them, and a bit of work and training, they can repeat that again because that could that could turn out to be one of Villa's you know strongest sort of attacking areas, in, and um, they could cause so many problems there. So let's hope they they can just both be back on song. I was having my daily peruse of The Athletic and Michael Cox's stuff's always really, really interesting. He did a great piece, I don't know whether you saw it, about that a really good side is going to end up getting relegated this season. I know people are obviously looking at Liverpool being a million miles away from everyone else and saying this is a, a poor quality Premier League. And I suppose, obviously, in terms of the title race, it is. But at the bottom end, there is some good, some good teams down there with, with, with some great players. And I just wanted your, your thoughts on the relegation battle in general a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a mad season, isn't it? It's ludicrous that you can look at Arsenal and, and they're only six points ahead of Villa on 31 yeah. points, I think, is. And I, mean, I think they've only won six games yeah, all six season, haven't they? It's just, it's, I mean, it's just it's crazy, isn't it? You know, I mean, Arsenal aren't going to go down, let, let's have it right. But that, that there are, as Michael Cox wrote, there is going to be one, maybe two decent teams that, that get relegated. And, um, you know, Villa's job is just to stay above just to stay above the drop zone in a season like this. Um, I think I think West Ham are going to struggle. I think they're... Um, I, I just don't think they've got enough. I, I really I really think they're going to, going to struggle. And, it, and it, I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to the last day when Villa played them at, um, at the London Stadium. You know, Jeez, how, how, incredible, how, how incredible was that going to be? But, I mean, I can, you can pretty much guarantee now with, the, with just 13 games to go that, it's, that one of the relegation... Uh, spots he's going to go down to the wire, isn't it? You know, there's, yeah, there's just so it's just so close, and there's so many teams there. Um, I suppose the good thing for the Premier League in general, you know, without our Villa hats on, is that nothing's over yet. You know, the, the only thing that is over is Liverpool winning the, the, the league. The big one. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Liverpool have never won a Premier League yet. They're the ones riding high and everything else is still up for grabs. But it's still an exciting season. I mean, yeah, Liverpool are miles apart. Um, I still believe Man City aren't too far off them. They've just had a, uh, you know, a few hard look, hard luck stories with their inju- uh, with their injuries to defenders. But um, it's uh, it's been a good season so far, and let's hope it continues in the in the remaining few months. You just mentioned West Ham there. It's interesting that they're the team that, that you pulled out out of everyone down there. Did that remind you a little bit of that Villa side that went down? Like, like it's it's almost like it's it's been coming. There's questions over the ownership. The fans aren't on board with the ownership at all. That that they reek of Villa from that season a little bit, don't they? I'm not sure. I don't. I personally don't think. I think it's a different situation there. Really? I think that, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't personally draw comparisons with that Villa team just because I, I think it was a, a slightly different situation. I, I think the worrying thing for me, if I was a West Ham fan, would be that David Moyes was supposed to come in as this firefighter to to sort of um, to start uh, like strengthening this team and just getting them back to basics and making them hard to beat. Just haven't really seen that no. from him, uh, from him and that team yet. And that's a bit of a worry for me if I was a West Ham fan because uh, you know there's only so long to go and they've got a horrendous run of games, haven't they? So you really feel that they're going to be right in it too. You don't, if they're not already, you're not going to like this because I know you don't like doing predictions. But if you had to call three teams that are going to go down now, who would you pick? Norwich, yeah. West Ham, and Brighton. Brighton, you think? I think you know, mine might be similar to that. I think Norwich, West Ham, and Brighton. I said at the start of the season it would be Norwich, Burnley, and uh, who's the other one? I had I Palace. I did to go down at the start of the season. They're, <laughs> they're certainly on a, a rotten run. Every- can't buy a win. Yeah, I know. Yeah, your man scored last week, didn't oh, he, Ben yeah. Tecker? Absolute scenes, Greg. Absolute scenes. <laughs> look, look, although he's a bit sheepish in his celebrations because he obviously <laughs> Pickford, Pickford made an error, but it's good to see him on the score sheet. Maybe he'll go on a run now a, and keep Palace up. Been a long time coming, hasn't it? I mean, to be fair to Ben Tecker, although he hasn't, although he hasn't scored for a while, he's a he's a player that scores in in runs, isn't he? You know, he gets gets goals in like a, a short period of time. You know, he, he's a he's a confidence player, isn't it? Yeah. Once he gets one, you usually see a few rolling. So. We'll um, I'm just trying to still stump by this third team. I can't remember every every year at the start of the season. I do with my granddad and my dad. We draw out um, we draw out how we think the Premier League table and the Championship yeah. table finish, and then we compare at the end of the season. We're always miles off, but I had Liverpool to win the league this year, so I got some that right. That's good. I think the only good prediction I made at the start of the season was that Sheffield United would be comfortable, although I didn't think <laughs> really? they'd that be was this good Yeah, yeah. I've got Twitter. I think that was the other well. team I had. I think that was the other team I had to go down. I didn't expect them to do as well as they did. Fair play to Chris Wilder and his team. I had full faith Incredible. in the Blades. Another prediction, good prediction give, mate. Give me a score prediction, Greg. For the weekend? Yeah. Sunday. Um, I, I, I don't think Villa will win this. I think uh, I think it'll be a one 0 defeat or a nil nil. I don't need this negativity in my life. To be honest, Greg, I'm going to go two one to Villa. I think this is the, this is it. We've got to be a top six side at, at some point, and I think I think this is our best chance personally that, that, that we've had. So I'll go for for two one Villa. Mm. Mm, can see, but I think my prediction will beat yours. Okay, we'll see. So we'll come back to this next week, Rick. What I will say is, I feel like it's not very nice being a Villa fan because you're either battling to try and get get out of the Championship, and that's really stressful, or you're in a relegation battle, and that's, that's <laughs> equally as stressful. So no wonder the greys on my head are, are starting to appear. 
1874 podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send the rest back. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast. Go now to stitchfix.co.uk slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X.co.uk forward slash athletic. Let's go to, to transfers then because we didn't get a chance to review the transfer window last week. What did you make of it overall from Villa? Four players incoming plus young prospect Louis Barry as well as been in good form for the England under-17s in the week. How would you rate Villa's transfer window in January? Not too bad, actually. Um, when when you think at the start of the window, they weren't they were expecting a, a relatively quiet month. You know, they were only going to be um, they were only going to be signing loan players unless there was any injuries. <laughs> then Wesley got injured. Then McGinn got injured. Then Heaton got injured. So they had to react. You know, I mean, it's, you feel sorry for them in a way because they were hoping for a real low spend uh, in January just to tick them over, get you know get a couple of loan players in, just just top up the squad and get to the summer and, and reevaluate. Hopefully, as a Premier League team, um, but they've had to go and buy a striker and spend you know ten point five million pounds that they didn't really want to. Um, whether Danny Drinkwater would have come in or not, I'm not sure. I think they were looking at midfield. Um, you know, recruits and, and and the fact that they could have, you know, they got him on loan is a decent, probably a decent, you know, squad player. Worth the risk. Somebody who's, yeah, worth the risk. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, someone who's been there, done it. Um, that's what Dean Smith wanted, a bit of experience. And and to be fair, you know, if he, if, if he can reproduce what we know he can, then it'd be a good signing. If not, okay, it's only a loan signing, he goes back to Chelsea um, and you've only paid half of his wages for the rest of the season. But Borgia Baston... A very underwhelming signing. You did a piece me, on him, didn't you? So you'll put you know more about him than than I do. Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, I, I didn't, don't mean to slate the guy. I just, I just literally spoke to the people that know him best. You know, I, I haven't watched him play regularly for Swansea. I haven't watched him play uh, regularly in Spain during his eight loan spells and his uh, one time at Atletico Madrid. So you know, it's my job to speak to the, the people block, that know it? him best. Yeah, yeah, it's my it's my job to speak to the people that know him the best and find out more about him. And you know, everybody I spoke to said that um, almost described him as a one hit wonder. He, he's been he's been very be very unlucky for Atletico Madrid. He um, on his debut as a seventeen year old, he ruptured his uh, cruciate. So that's a, a difficult start for him as a seventeen year old. It yeah, then horrible. took a while to get then took a while to get back gone out on loan to Zaragoza and uh, also Ibar when they were promoted into La Liga um, and had two decent seasons there. You know, scored a lot of goals, thought he, he was on, he was very close to getting into the Spain squad for um, 2000 and the 2006 tournament, yeah, sorry, 2016 tournament. Um, and Atletico Madrid uh, under, under Diego Simeone were considering 
integrating him into the team. Uh, it, it just didn't happen because, again, another freak injury in training. Uh, he actually ended up breaking his wrist. So that put him back for a little bit longer. Um, Swansea saw something in him, bought him for 15.5 million. Um, and he's moved to, Lib to Liberty Stadium at a time you know, where he couldn't have got any more... Um, uh, any you know any any more problems at the club at the time where where Francesco Guidolin came in um, was always doomed to fail from from the people I speak to at Swansea. Then Bob Bradley came in for just eighty four days. Um, Swansea fans were looking at Borja Baston as the big fifteen point five million pound signing as the guy that should really you know be turning their season minute. around and 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 scoring a lot of goals, but it just didn't work for him. I think he scored I think he scored one goal in that season and then was shipped out on loan for another couple of. Uh, seasons out alone and, and, and again he just struggled to sort of find his feet came back to Swansea at the start of this season um, and it was almost like speaking to Swansea fans and that, and they were saying you know the Borgia Baston baby and it was like a you know it was like a, a joke almost oh my oh my you know, life. This guy's back, and he started very well, scored a couple of goals, but then inevitably just tailed off, and you know there was. There was no takers elsewhere for him. There were no sides in Spain that wanted him, that were willing to pay his wages. Um, so Villa agreed to, to pay a proportion of his contract. Uh, Swansea paid it up. Villa paid a fraction of it. And Villa signed him until the end of the season on a short-term deal uh, on relatively low wages. So it's not a big output. It's not much of a gamble. But he might be called upon in the oh, Premier yeah. League and needed. And, and you just think... You know, is, is this guy up, up for it? I don't like to slate players too much before they've ever, ever kicked a ball, but looking back on his recent history, you know, the, the, the signs aren't very good. Well, I don't think he'll be asking you to represent him at any point after after that little uh, synopsis. I think I only got caught out saying something that I said last season then by saying, if you, oh, you've got to be a good player if you come through Atletico Madrid. But I remember saying that about Andre Morea. Last season, when we got him, when we got him in on loan as well, and that egg on my face, so I'm not definitely not going to say that again. It, it's got the potential where he, he might end up scoring a couple of goals and end up being a, a cult hero. Or I don't know whether you'll remember this. I remember when John Gregory brought in a striker called Gustavo Bartlett in on loan in in 2000 from Rome, and he never played a game, just never did anything. Yeah. and he could he could end equally as end up being like that. You're a bit disappointed that we didn't go and get another proper striker because. Even though we've got Samata and okay, he, he cost a fair a fair amount of money. We needed him when Wesley was fit. Yeah, again, it's just a case of the finances weren't quite right for Villa. You know, they're very very close to breaching um, FFP rules in previous years, and and the accounts this year that are due to be released soon will show that also. So you know, Villa Villa spent a lot of money in in January. Uh, sorry, in the summer. They spent ten million pounds more than they didn't really than they expected on Samata. So I always knew it was going to be tight going into transfer deadline day. Um, there were there were players that they might have been able to get, but they would have been on very very big money. Um, and you know Villa don't want didn't want to do that. Uh, they didn't want they could they couldn't afford to to sign. You know they couldn't afford the risk to sign um, a big name player. From a big team, either in Europe or one of the one of the Premier League teams, yeah. just in case they got relegated, you know the, the threat of relegation is still very real. You know, it's a, it's almost a it's a one in three chance that they're going to go down still. So if they sign a player on a, a two three year deal, um, you know the whole finances are difficult because if you if you go for a top level player, he's not going to want a relegation clause reduction in his wages. So the only real option is getting somebody in a loan. Um, but then, as you know. 
the, the January market is so tough to to operate in. So it, it was just a tough window for Villa towards the end. Um, and it's a shame that Keenan Davis has picked up another injury because I think with you know Bast, uh, with Samata and um, and Davis, you know they, they might have just had enough if they did kept the two of them fit throughout for the rest of the season. Uh, Baston, he might come in and do something. You know, I don't, I don't, I really don't mean to slate him. I am just stating the facts of, of, of how his career has panned out in, in recent years. Uh, everybody I speak to says he's a lovely guy and, he, and, he's, and um, those at Villa are saying that he's working very hard to make a difference. So, you know, that's what you want. You want players that are willing to, to work hard and, and they're hungry. Um, and, and, you know, Baston, as you say, might come in and just get a couple of goals do what like a Robbie Keane did for, for Alex yeah, McLeish in, in that loan spell. Um, and then, you know, you, I'm making my words, aren't I? I'm saying, well, look, you know, he, he's turned his career around. Uh, fair play to him. And he was an inspired signing and it wasn't, it didn't cripple them financially. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I think it's going to be difficult for him. Will he be on the bench on Sunday, do you think, with Davis's injury? Or do you think he'll be back think, to left? Yeah, I mean... I, I presume it'll be. I presume it'll be Baston. Um, I don't know for sure, you know, at this stage, because. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if Davis is injured, he will be the third choice striker. So, presumably him. For me, it's a disastrous window. Full stop. Just purely based on the fact that James Chester has left the building. That, that to me just sours the whole thing. Yeah, we spoke about Chester in the no, past, no. haven't we, Danny? You know, it's it's a, I, I know it's a, I know it's a tough one for you. How's the rabbit getting on? How did he take it? Uh, I don't think he understood. T- to be honest, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's just hopeful that Chester will come back in some capacity next season, well, and it's just a know, temporary move. I don't know. I did, it, we didn't go into great detail, to be honest with you. <laughs> Look, you know, the club, the club felt like they owed a duty of care to James Chester. That's why they let him go out on loan. Um, you know. We both certainly wish him well, don't we? And hope he gets his career back on track. Uh, Disappointing for Villa to lose him. And yeah, to be fair, he would have came on against Bournemouth, wouldn't he? Probably would have. He would have featured. Yeah, he would have been the um, next pick, wouldn't he? But the risk for him always was that you know he he was having to wait for an injury before he got on. And with his contract out at the end of the season, you know he can't take that risk as a player. You got to go out and play, Um, especially someone of Chester's uh, ability and and um, you know because he loves to play. Right, let's go to listeners' questions now. Greg, I did a tweet on, on my way down on the on the train and uh, asked the people that listen to eighteen seventy four to if there's anything they wanted us to talk about. So we've got a few here, and I know this fits in with something that you've been writing about this week. Janice Rushton's asked, "Is not Nealand the long term future for Villa in goal?" Because Neil Cutler has been going quite heavy on him, hasn't he, in recent interviews? Neil Cutler's been doing the rounds with the media. Yeah, he has. Strange, actually, that Neil Cutler was, was put up for interviews because I've done a big piece on him. That, that's, oh, is that just uh, a coincidence? That's gone out this week. Yeah, to, total oh, coincidence, yeah. Anno- the, annoying uh, for you, if anything. That. <laughs> no, because there's a lot of other information that hasn't that wasn't mentioned in, in, in his own interview. So, you know, the, our readers will, will learn something new anyway. But, yeah, we, we were all, ta- all, our, all the writers were tasked with... Um, a challenge of the next big thing at uh, at their various club for me, obviously Aston Villa, um, and it was just a little bit of a play on words for me. The next big thing, I thought, well, let's try big cuts. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll write about him. And uh, yeah, Neil Cutler's transformed the the goalkeeping department, hasn't he? You know, he's the fact that he's got Pepe Reina now to to work with. He admits that he's he's willing to learn off him. Um, he, he's improved Orsian Nyland so much. You know, as we've seen in in the semi finals. Um, semi-final games against Leicester 
he's brilliant now. He, you know, I feel he, like he really he, likes Nayland. Like he, he really loves him, Cutler, when he talks about him. Not really proud. of Yeah, him. I, th- I think it's because he looks at him as like a project. I think he's he, he's he's really proud of the work that the two of them have done together, and now they're reaping the benefits. You know, they're reaping the rewards. He goes into a lot of detail, doesn't he, Cutler, and talks in goalkeepers jargon when <laughs> when he's describing um, uh, the work that he's been doing with Nyland. But he, he's now saying that Nyland. He's making movements to save shots. Basically, um, he describes it as a neurological pattern, which is like I'm you know, basically you're going to what that is because I haven't. Got he's basically it. doing it without thinking. Do you know okay. what I mean? He's practiced the movement so many times. He now he now knows where to move, where to dive, from, uh, you know, to stop the shots. And we've seen that against we've seen that against Leicester, most notably uh, with the with the effort from Tillemans in the first half. It was a brilliant save that he tipped onto the bar. Uh, but yeah, I think Cutler just looks at Neyland as one of his projects and clearly he's improved so much in 12 months um, and it just bodes well for the other goalkeepers at the, at the club, especially the young ones. What impressed me was the way he spoke so highly about Pepe Reina. I mean, we all know that he's had a glittery trophy-laden career. Yeah. Um, you know, he's won everything. But it was the fact that Cutler was speaking about he how well how quickly he settled into Villa, how good he is with his feet, you know, how he can beat the press, how he can you know, pass the ball out quickly with both feet and just make these little movements that make a difference that nobody really else sees. Um, just think he uses class and confidence, Reina. Uh, and it be interesting to see if he's fit, whether he plays in the final, isn't it? Yeah, I think he'll go Nealand. I think I think he has to. Do you think? Mate, he's practically, he's practically got us there, didn't he, in, in terms of the two legs, the number of saves he made. I think it has to be Nealand. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that I think he certainly deserves it. Just don't know whether Dean will go with it. But we'll see. Well, it's only a few weeks away now, isn't it? I'm getting, I'm getting quite nervy. That cup final's really on the, the horizon. <laughs> I think my ticket arrived today, so you know it gets real when, when the tickets start arriving. Pete at the set pieces has asked a question as well. He, he wants to know more about the youth talent at Villa and which ones seem destined to make the senior squad, which kind of fits in with something I wanted to ask you as well. How far away from the first team is, is Louis Barra? Do you think he's the next in line after Vasilev? If we were to suddenly get a load of injuries, do you think we could see Louis Barry on the bench this season? Uh, yeah, thanks for the question, Pete. Uh, I think Louis Barry's still got a little bit of work to do. He's a very confident lad, believes in his own ability, um, and, and the coaches at Villa are very highly uh, speak very highly of him. I think he's still got a bit of developing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't compare the two of them between him and Vasilev at the moment, just because uh, you know I'd need to speak to somebody to to gauge somebody who's, who sees them you know every day to to gauge whether one of the two of them are, are at an advanced level or not. But I think as we've seen with Vasilev, you know he's still a way off it himself. Um, still got a bit bit of work to do, and Barry's the same. But okay. um, he he's developing nicely, you know, and you, you don't you don't. Pay that type of money for somebody who who um, hasn't got a lot of potential. Uh, so you know, there's there's high hopes for there's, there's high hopes for Louis Barry. It's just he's going to take a little bit of time to get into. He's got to be playing regularly in the under twenty threes. He's got to be shining in the under twenty three, scoring every week if he wants to, um, you know, push into that first team. That the one to really look out for out of that group is is Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, you know, well, now alone. So Doncaster, yeah, yeah, he scored a couple of goals in his debut, which was, you know, fantastic for him. What better way for a, an eighteen-year-old to to go out on loan and go out on loan early? You know, fair play to him. He's pushed to get a, a loan move at eighteen rather than you know waiting until he's like nineteen or twenty. Um, just what he needs because 
you know, hopefully he can replicate what, what Jack Grealish did at, at Notts County and, you know, kick on and really impress and, and move into the first team. Yeah, it's great to see him get two on his debut and great to see him working under such a good guy in Darren Moore as well. I really think that would be beneficial to him. Last question here, Jordan Smith. Who is the one player we released or let go on the cheap that you would have back now? I still rate Bannon, even though he's stuck in the championship. Stevens has done bits down the left side for Sheffield United and we're shocked we let Jonathan Hogg go when we did. Is there any you can think of that, that mistakes over the years to let go cheaper? Stevens is the one that leads. Steve, Stevens is probably a, Stevens is a standout one for me. Yeah, uh, I mean it was always Gary Cahill, wasn't it? You know, oh. until he until he uh, until he left Chelsea. Oh, wouldn't, probably wouldn't get probably wouldn't get in the Villa team now, but you know, could, a few could, years could ago. have been there possibly if uh, talks in the summer had come to fruition. I'd, I'd say Callum Robinson. He's still a player that's yeah. got a bit of you know, it, it's still got a bit to go. Okay, it hasn't quite worked out for him at, at Sheffield United. Um, He's moved to West Bromwich Albion on loan, and, and and West Brom's forms picked up since he's since he's joined. You know, they've won the last two games that that he started. Uh, you know, so he's made a bit of an impact there. I didn't think that I thought when Villa let him go, and I know Tim Sherwood was 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 pretty gutted um, as well. Didn't didn't expect didn't 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 want didn't really want him to leave. Um, and, uh, I just think that. He could still be a player that develops into into a decent yeah, like into a him. decent forward. Uh, got a bit to go, you know. He, he needs to show what he's about in the Premier League. I think first, just needs a run of games because he hasn't really had that Sheffield United. But um, I think him. I think Ender Stevens, obviously, also at Sheffield United. They've done right out of Villa, haven't they? Sheffield United. Yeah, they have. Um, and they do uh, in the league as well. Yeah. Who else is there? I mean, I, I suppose you could. But was the question about academy graduates just, or just, just players that let go? Just in general, anyone that we've let go on the, on the cheap over the years that you think could do a job now, I think was the, the gist of the question. Yeah. I think Stevens I, is the one at the moment because he'd be a nice little backup to, tar- to Target or competing with Target, wouldn't he, under Stevens? Yeah, I, know, I mean, I suppose, you know, are we going a bit off track here when we say Adama Traore and, and Jordan oh, yeah, Verity? That's, you know? that's a good shout, Traore. is a, you know, a very good shout. Traore is probably the Traore. I mean, as mad as this sounds, he's one of the most exciting players in the world now. No, I mean, no, let, let's is. be honest. He's, he he's, he's not not the best, but he's definitely one of the most exciting. Um, so different. Exactly. So it's just yeah, we all know about him. We don't. I don't need to describe him, but you know, he's just so explosive and, and exciting and can produce those um, match, uh, moments that change games. So you'd probably have to say you probably have to say him now because. I think I read a quote from somebody at Wolves saying he's worth 150 million pounds now. Is that, is that right? You know, and so if, if that is the case, then well, I think we'd probably be demanding the same kind of fee for Grealish as fans talk, talking about Villa if someone was coming in for Grealish. I think it's probably fair, but actually at the time I was all for Troy or going because I just thought he isn't he isn't going to do it, which shows you how how much I know because he's thriving under Nuno at Wolves. We're going to finish as ever with, with the Villa Vol and it's a little bit of a quiz for you which I know you won't be happy with but I'm going to do it anyway. You're not getting me with another quiz. It's just a little one. I like to sneak them in every now and again. <laughs> Greg, so when do you think was the last time Villa beat Spurs at Villa Park in the league? Oh dear. Um, it was further back than I thought it was going to be actually. should know this. Uh, 2001? No, 2008. Uh-huh. We beat them 2-1. Melberg and Larson both on the score sheet from set pieces those days but we could, we could do with some of those set piece goals now that's for sure but in that Villa line of that day there was only one player that is still active in the Premier League now I'm very very confident that you're not going to get this one player started oh, that game dear. and he's still active in the Premier he's registered to a Premier League team this season he's the only one <laughs> I'm shocked if anyone oh, got this to be honest this. nah 
Oh, this is this is big. If you, is it if you a, got a this, goalkeeper, mega, isn't it? If you got this, I'd be mega impressed. Is it a goalkeeper? Oh, well, I don't really want to say. Reading it's a goalkeeper, you will. isn't it? Oh, no, I can't think. Go on, put me on my misery. Scott Carson. Oh, no. I was going to say Stuart Taylor. Uh, Scott Carson, because he's still unbelievably registered to Man City. The only one. Yeah, incredible. 2008. I just thought that was really, that was quite interesting. Wasn't my favorite. Good fa- find that, Dan. Yeah, Good spot. wasn't my favorite goalkeeper that's ever played for Villa. If if I'm being honest, I actually think with a better goalkeeper, we would have broke the top four that season. But that's a story for another day. I think that just about does us for this week, Greg. Just just enough time to plug our Thomas Hitzelsberger podcast. Part two was out on Monday, and it seems to be going down well from what I've seen. On, on social media so that's good part three there is a part three to come on Monday as well talking about what he's up to now as the CEO of Stuttgart in Germany thanks ever so much for all your engagement and your interactions I actually enjoyed having some questions this week so we'll make sure that's a feature that stays in 1874 and don't forget for ad free podcasts make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app you can get a 40% discount now by using the code VillaPod thanks to Greg thanks for listening up the Villa Ooh.